Hello, and welcome to Ticket to Game Hedge, the podcast that discusses the science of how to get your friends and family to like our favorite band, Fish. We'll share stories from the community on how people discovered Fish and what makes this band so damn special. So join us as we stamp your ticket to Game Hedge. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my great friend, Kresha. All right. Here we go, another episode of Ticket to Game Hedge, episode nine. Last week, I incorrectly said episode seven when, when it was, in fact, episode totally, eight. Totally messed me up. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was my fault. My fault, 100%. Uh, here we go. As always, we have a decent little menu going. Um, I wanted to open up with a bit of a story, if that's okay. So my job dictates uh, once a year, we do inventory. We count everything in the building and it's a, and it's a really, really big event. Uh, we had inventory yesterday um, and going into it the last three days, including yesterday, over the course of three days, I worked nearly 40 hours, which is a full work week on its own for most people. Um, rewarding and great, but very, very draining. And it's one of those events that as soon as it's all over, you just kind of, a weight comes off your shoulders and you just want to move past it, right? Like it's just, it's a lot. Uh, your brain is really, really, you go down this tunnel. As I was leaving yesterday, and I don't know about you, and I'll back it up a step. Um, my favorite part of a vacation reminds me of, uh, there's an episode of The Simpsons where they get home from church and Bart and Lisa uh, throw off their clothes in excitement and they're like it's the longest possible time before more church right so when I'm when I my favorite part of vacation is the 20 seconds between the time that I leave the door of the building I work in until the car <laughs> I get into to come home because it's the longest possible time before having to go back and I firmly believe that the anticipation of things Yes. In most cases, yes. is the best part of those things. Okay. New Year's is going to be amazing, man, because it's New Year's and the New Year's comes and goes. And it's just like any other night for the most part, uh, unless it's a fish New Year's, maybe a bad example for us. Um, but the anticipation to that event is usually better than the event itself. You know what? The, just to, before you get back to your story, because I'm going to yeah. forget, the thought is always better or worse than the actual event. Like if there's something that you're fearful or scared about, yeah. The idea of it happening in your mind is much worse than when it actually happens. Correct. Correct. Uh, I experience that from time to time when I'm uh, randomly paged to customer service without an explanation as to what I'm walking into. And it could be anything. And in those 10 seconds, I'm going through all the possibilities in a Rolodex. Um, but anyhow. Um, I think we should just, oh, you can't. You can't even say who you work for, can you? I, I would prefer not to just because it's a really, really, just, just think of a, a big box retail store is what I would kind of generalize it as, which there are a lot of, right? There are a lot of those. So uh, big, big building with a lot of employees and a lot of moving parts like any big box store has. Anyways, we digress. Get back to it. Yeah. Where was I in the story? Um, oh, about that moment of vacation, yeah. the anticipation. Yeah. I get into the car and where I am, I'm on night three of four, I'm pretty sure, uh, of the Red Rocks run in the summer tour of 2009. They had kind of taken a break at um, end of June and came back very end of July. So I'm on the August 1st show, 8-1-2009. And I start it from the very beginning. And I always go in blind, as you know, sit down in the car, start it up, put in the headphones, I hit play. And just as you, know, you hear the crowd noise and I'm peeling out, ACDC bag right 
nostalgia 101 puts puts me right back there and i'm like yes like yes going singing along right i should have recorded that because i was into it like i was i was belting outside and and, and the windows were down people people on the sidewalk were looking at me man they gotta hear it yeah because uh, when you drive to the parking lot, it, it's like I go 20, maybe 30, you know, tops. So as people are walking to their cars out of the mall. Like peeling out. Yeah. And I'm like, Mr. Palmer is concerned. And I'm just, yeah, <laughs> you know, what million dollar que- or thousand dollar question. And uh, so I'm going and then the drive gets going. Next song, Curtain Whiff. Nice. Sets me off, right? We talked about that last week when your wife jumped on, because um, uh, that was her most. Re- that would be her fish name, <laughs> the curtain with that. That was good, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some funny responses to that one. That put me in a great mood, and, just, and, and then just from there, mound, right? Short, short but sweet mound. Got a jabu. Twelve, twelve minute, right? That's a good jam. Gaiuti, next, yeah. Um, punch you in the eye, and then just as I was pulling in, tube, had to had to had to stop tube because I pulled into the garage, and it was just that that feeling of um, I guess relief, putting everything else behind me, you know, kind of doing away with the big inventory event, and just being in the moment and quite literally surrendering to to the flow as I drove home and just anticipating every song. And I think, honestly, I think the mood that I was in, they could have played the three songs I put on my bathroom break song list a few weeks ago, and and it would have been great, but it just kept kind of elevating in my head. And that feeling I felt is ultimately what we're trying to get other people to feel you know, through, through fish. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this stuff. And it's, it's tough to articulate. It's tough to understand if um, somebody's never really loved something like that, but that's ultimately what it's all about, you know, and uh, just, just to be able to log on and, and hit play on something like that and, and experience that as often as we can. Just great. Right. So um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. It was just, yeah, had me in a sweet spot. So there you go. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I like it. It's good. I think it's very relatable because I mean, we all do that, right? Like you finish the day, you have that time where like, it's, I don't know, man, I like having, so like right now what happens is I drive, we drive our staff member to and from work because she typically would take the bus, but because, you know, because of the new bus schedule, because of COVID-19, she wouldn't be able to make it to work on time. I got a few associates that have challenges. Yeah. 100%, 100%, right? So there's like, she lives on the east end of the city and we're kind of in the southwest end. So there's this time where like, I experience the same thing every day. I drop her off. I'm like, okay, now it's time to listen to fish. Yeah, that's your time. Right? And you put it on and you're just like, this is awesome. Plus it's like the perfect time of year for that, you know? Mm. It's like fall, you can open up the windows. This is, for the record, we're, we are in my favorite time of the year. Uh, I think most people's man. How can you like not have this? You know, be the best time of the year. Mid mid September to mid October, right? It's it's for so many reasons. Whether any if you're a sporting, if it was a normal year, if you're a sporting fan, great great time of year. A lot a, a lot of great things happening there. If you're a fan of TV and entertainment, that's all coming back to life and great. It's beautiful outside, at least where we live. Um, and it's the calm before the storm and the shit weather and, and, and the crap that happens later on, right? So yeah, I love this time of year. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we've learned so far. We're nine episodes in, we're, you know, we're consistently talking about how to get people to like fish. 
So I just wanted to kind of summarize for anybody that's joining on, uh, uh, you know, we've now maybe extended to grandparents listening to the show instead of just our parents, perhaps, but um, <laughs> not me, actually, but I'm just joking. Uh, so what we've learned so far, I think, number one, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, we need to have somebody who loves music. If you're going to be a Fish fan, you've, you've, you've got to love music. And I think you've got to love a lot of different genres of music or be at least at the very least be open-minded to them. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, can, I would agree. Um, uh, creating an experience is essential. Um, and there's a lot of various ways I think to do that, but uh, you know, it, whether it's a great road trip, to a show, if it's a experience at home where you get to watch a live fish and you, you know, ingest something a little bit different or whatever that might be, drugs, um, you know, I, I, I think there's got to be something that's a bit unique to it. Because if you think about the way the live shows are set up and, and, how, and how they approach it, um, it is an experience. They're very aware that there are people in the crowd that are probably seeing the band for, for the first time and they're playing to them sometimes, you know, and they're very aware there are people in the crowd that are seeing them for the 300th time or 400th time and they appreciate that. So the- well, not, only, not only that, I mean, there's plenty of evidence and plenty of comments made by the band members about like the thought that goes into, um, you know, creating a festival and the things that they think about for their shows, you know, and even, I mean, listen, even the music, like I think we should, uh, I think we should maybe should add this to one of the, the podcasts, but I had, so I'm taking guitar lessons with, uh, his name's Toma Fujita. He's uh, the guy that was, he teaches at Berkeley and he was John Mayer's guitar teacher. Okay. So just listening to be like, I was like, hey, do you want to analyze? I was like, hey, can we analyze Reba on the next lesson? It was just really interesting to hear like his thoughts because I don't really think he listens to the fish. So it was interesting to hear how, what he said, and he has no idea, you know, how it applies to a lot of the other things that fish is, has done and that they're really good at. Hmm. What was his take on Reba? Like, but I'm really, really curious. Like, like, what would he say about the song? So he's analyzing, right? He's listening to the music. Yeah. And one of the things that, so because he has, he's, I mean, look, he teaches at Berkeley, right? He's literally a, like an encyclopedia of music. Right. And I was like, okay, so I'm really interested in the, in the middle passage, you know, like the, the transition from the bag of tagged into the, into the jam. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he was like, oh, that sounds like Joe Pass. And that part sounds like, like he was just listing all these musicians that, you know, Trey drew inspiration from in, in that part. And he was like, he's like, it's like cut and paste, but like with his own like influence. Like he's like, it's not, it doesn't make sense musically, but you can tell of like, you know, he took parts that were really influential to music that he liked and then added like his own stuff to it. Mm. You know, it, it pretty much like a live show like they take elements of stuff that they all the guys love right. and they make it their own hmm. Hmm. we got to talk more about that kind of stuff i love that stuff because it's something that i don't really know about um musical theory i uh i like and i like understanding why it resonates with me and and, and that's you know uh those types of things are the logical explanations that uh, that i really really enjoy yeah. um what's going on here oh um <laughs> You know, my kids know that you and I talk every week. And apparently, I just found out before we logged on that when we're talking, they walk around going, where's Show? Where's Show? They're looking for you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, 
Yeah, and then uh, moving down the list, um, observing the law of reciprocity. So, so, so this we talked about just to specifically apply to, um, I guess, kind of somebody like my wife who uh, is open to music, really, really enjoys it, but isn't going to sit down uh, usually for, for, for the most part and listen to fish with me. Um, so just trying to, trying to, um, to balance it out. If I'm, if I'm going to ask her to do that, to obviously try to try to get or do something for her that is going to be rewarding for her, whether it's watching a show or a movie with her that she likes or doing an activity that she enjoys that I typically wouldn't giving up that time. And I guess, uh, kind of a, kind of your tip for tat. And then, um, I just added surrender to the flow. And I think that goes into that somebody that is, that is open-minded, that's willing to actually listen and give it a shot and not just dismiss it, I think would be a big part of it too. Um, easier, easier said than done. So that's kind of what we've got so far. Um, I'm sure we'll keep going down that, down that path and learn more and discuss more. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, as I kind of segue into the, into our, into our next topic, uh, I don't know about you, but every now and then Megan will say something like, can we listen to something other than fish? So what better thing to put on than the new train, train Astasio band album, right? That's like the best. Can we listen to something other than fish? Sure. How about Mike and Leo? Click. How about, you know, it reminds um, me of, uh, I can't remember who posted it, but it was that one comment where, uh, him and his wife were going somewhere. It was like an hour drive. And he wanted to put on fish. It's like, okay, just one song. So he puts on like, you know, uh, Ruby waves from, you know, 43 minutes. Yeah. 43 minutes. Uh, yeah. I've got, a, I've got a good recording of myself singing Ruby waves. We'll tease that again. I've got that on there. It's uh, we, we were at the debut of that song. As a matter of fact, look at us. Um, yeah. So burn it down. Uh, I think pretty much right after we logged off, last week it was announced that it was coming out a few days later i think you texted me within an hour or two of us getting off of here that it was coming out and i now know uh remember i i, I texted you early friday morning that i couldn't find it it wasn't on the app yet but the reason i couldn't find it is because i was searching for trey anastasio band and tab and it's out there as trey anastasio not not uh, the band so that's why i couldn't find it uh, i found it later in the day of course and then listened to it most have been on the way home Friday and then over the weekend a little bit more. Um, what are your thoughts? It's awesome, man. Like yeah. it's an awesome album. I don't know. You know, it, it doesn't excite me like how fish excites me, but it's good. And I like it. Yeah. It's definitely a rich sound. Um, a little bit more of the percussion. You can, you can immediately feel the differences from fish. There's the, from, you know, there's the like familiarity of course, because of the songs themselves. Um, yeah, it, it's sort of interesting to listen to. It's almost like a fish cover band, but not in a weird way because the vocals are identical. Although the cadence and the timing are a little bit different. Like I found Camel, Camel Walk from the Camel Walk that I'm used to was a little bit different. And it really made me appreciate Trey's flexibility to be able to you know, shift how he plays certain songs with that group that are so familiar to him. I, I, I mean, I don't know how easy that would be, especially if you've written it. Um, you know, because as fish, they don't do a ton of that. You know, the they horns are cool. Water. You know, like it's just, it's, it's. It, you're right. It sounds because I've I've heard fish play the song so many times. It does kind of sound like a really good cover band of fish. Yeah, um, feels a little bit more blues based as well. Obviously, with the types of musicians he's playing with, I almost find that Trey's singing in a lower register for a lot of the songs too. He's got a he's got more of a baritone going in some of the vocals compared to what you typically hear in hear in fish. Um, clearly a different, a different energy. I really got a sense of that, you know, the size of the crowd is evidently, you can hear it. It's much smaller. It doesn't have the same 
roar kind of to it. You can hear more of the theater type of atmosphere. Um, but uh, yeah, I noted down a couple of highlights for me. Um, um, I love, I, every time I listen to the song, I get deeper and deeper into it, about to run. Like it, ah, man, like I, duh. Oh, man, that's a good album. That song just, when it, when, it, when it gets escalating and escalating and he just starts going, burning, I'm like, ugh, I love it. So good. Um, I thought that, uh, and it's evident to me, my, to back it up a quick step, my um, uh, gauge, whether or not I've really, really enjoyed a movie or a television show, is if I'm still thinking about it in the days following. You know, so if I go to see a movie and the next day I'm still thinking about that movie, that's kind of my gauge to tell me that, that I enjoyed it, that I liked it. Yeah, well, hold, um, on, hold on. Let me play devil's advocate. Could okay. it be, because the first thing that comes to mind is the the Joker, that movie that came out. I still what? haven't seen it. We okay. haven't. Okay. 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 So here's my point. I'm not going to spoil anything to you. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody listening. There's no spoilers. But... Um, I didn't like, I, it was well done and it was excellent and it was thought provoking, but I didn't like it. Like it was thought provoking, like yeah. negative, right? Yeah. But did you appreciate the art behind it and uh, everything that goes into making a movie like that? Is it from that point of view or? No, it's just, I didn't like the, it, it's interesting. Objectively, it was excellent. I think it should have won the Oscar. Mm. I think it was the best movie of last year. I just didn't like the sense of life behind the artist. Got it. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there's, there's, there's an objectivity to say, like, this is an incredible piece of art. I just dislike it because it doesn't resonate with my sense of life. Hmm. Right. So it's valid. It makes sense. It's well done in every aspect other than I, I don't like it. Okay. You know, commitment. I'm going to watch that tonight. It's excellent. Like, again, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's yeah. just, there's some scenes are just like, oh, my God. Yeah, Megan and I have, have talked about watching it for a long time. It's just one of those ones we just haven't done. Yeah, you should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. Well, but I didn't like it, but I was, couldn't stop, still can't stop thinking yeah. about it sometimes. So safe to say, not, not your favorite Todd Phillips movie? Safe to say. What is your favorite Todd Phillips movie? Uh, I'm going to have to go with... You know, no disrespect to Fish, but I'm going to have to go with uh, uh, old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially because we have our own personal Frank the Tank in our circle of friendship, right? It's, uh... <laughs> but uh, yeah, but look at the career he's had, though, right? Todd Phillips, I mean, to be, you know, yeah, incredible. Um, you know, like talking about that um, and just having watched, you know, Bittersweet Motel recently. Mm-hmm. it's funny like I, I understand the band signed up for it I don't I don't like the way they treat the band you know I don't like the way that they treat the band I don't necessarily like there's parts like with the tray the the latest one like between me and my mind mm-hmm. there are parts that I wish I didn't get to see that um, you know that made me uncomfortable and that I think are personal and I, I don't think anyone should have access to that type of stuff yeah I I feel the same way about those things when I think about, um, you know, some conversations I've had with my parents or my dad or, you know, whatever. And I, it's between me and him. That's right. It takes, it takes an incredible amount of courage and vulnerability to put that out there though. I mean, that's not, that probably couldn't have been easy, you know, 
I don't think, I mean, I, I get, I have no idea. I don't even care to find out. I, I think that it was a conversation that was rehashed on camera that's already happened. Mm, you know, which, which would make it easier. Sure. I think a lot of reality TV is like that. I think so. I think so. Semi-scripted, and I think most people can tell. I say all the time, people can smell bullshit a mile away, and you can tell when somebody's genuinely doing something or if they're acting in the moment. I think. Or maybe, you know, or maybe it's just part of me that, that hopes that it is and that that wasn't like, you know, a moment between a daughter and a, and a, and a father or a father and a son yeah. that was captured, you know, like that. But I think you're right about Bittersweet Motel because I'm thinking here is just as we're talking that, you know, we went to see that in the theater. We were lucky that we lived in a city that was actually screening that movie yeah. when, it, when, it, when it came out. And it was funny too because um, in some senses it almost felt like a bit of a live fish experience because if you remember, there were people there that in the little bits of music that, you know, were playing, they actually got up like they were at the show and started, I remember us, we were on the far right. Right, and yeah. we're looking over the left at people moving around. We're like, "Holy cow! Look at this! I've never seen this in a movie theater." Um, but I think, I think, and that's a like that's a movie that even even when I was sort of off the train, I would still pop in and watch from time to time. Um, and I must have seen it, I don't know, twenty to thirty times easily. And I think it really kind of shaped my vision of the band and how they are. And the more I listen, the more we kind of get away from that the more I realized, I don't think that's really how it really was. There's some darkness in there. There's some what, you know, using the music to play off what looks to be a sad moment. Um, so yeah. here, here's what I think is going on. Just hear me out. There is a, one of the best trolls of all time in the music industry is Frank Zappa. Yeah. So Frank would sit down and do an interview, yeah. right? And... So what happened? I don't remember where I saw this or where I was watching it. So there's a fire truck that's going to come by. There it is. Yep. And of course, people don't know how to drive, right? So like everyone's just kind of waiting in the middle here. <laughs> Some bad drivers out there. It's I, so I need bad. to get a dash cam because I've seen so many things where that's the only thing that's going to save me is a dash cam. Anyway. Anyways. So um, he was doing an interview and uh, the interview knew nothing. The interviewer knew nothing about Frank Zappa and it was obvious like mm -hmm. by the questions. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so, you know, you have this big band. How come you don't have any women in your band? That was the question. He just hired, like he had, like literally they just showed a clip of like the xylophone player. I don't know the names of his musicians, but like he had two females in his band. Uh -huh. He goes off, oh, you know, they should be at home. They're obviously, you know, mentally weaker, so they can't remember the parts. <laughs> right? right? Like, just giving it to them, but like straight faced. Right. I'm like, that's excellent, man. So I think part of like Bittersweet Motel, you know, at least like the parts with, with, with Trey, like I'm, I'm, I, know in the, I know in the earlier part, like from what I've seen, you know, there's definitely a, a bigger chip on his shoulder, but I don't know, man. You know, I think, I think they just kind of portrayed them like that. Yeah. Um, the last thought on Bittersweet Motel, which is a nice little side topic, is I was listening to uh, the interview of Ezra Koenig. He's the lead singer and songwriter for Vampire Weekend. Yeah. Uh, Tom Marshall had him on his podcast, Under the Scales, last fall when the new Vampire Weekend album was coming out. And do you ever listen to Vampire Weekend? Not really, no. Great. They're really Yeah, great. I bet. You should, like if you're looking for something different, very world, world music, right? Like very, think Peter Gabriel, 
um yeah, yeah. great and their drummer is a is a is a fish head like big big fan uh yeah. so it started starting to bleed within the band and um yeah they, he, he was kind of talking about the, like now is the first time that they're going out and doing shows where they're mixing it up or they're doing different sets every night they'd never done that before yeah it was heavily pushed by their drummer about the live experience because now what you have these songs and they're and he's realized that he didn't realize early on how important the live show is uh, mm. to the brand of their band and how and how important that live experience is to to engage with fans and to keep them with you but they got talking about bittersweet motel and the part that was really interesting that they were talking about was when uh todd phillips reads trey the bad review about, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how he can relate to that as an artist who you know has read some bad reviews or has been given and just the look of confusion and amazement on trey's face as in i'm being judged on something that i'm not even doing like they don't even they clearly don't even understand what the point of what we're doing is and yet here i am being judged on it and that was really interesting to listen to um yeah, so it, it does. The, the part that always gets me, you know, is like with like critics and, and cynics and skeptics, you know, and, and that stuff is like, like, y y have a nice life because your life is just based on telling people what not to do and criticizing them. Right. Right. That has to eventually wear on you as a person. Mm hmm. Who was it? I remember I heard Henry Rollins quote it and he gave the credit to the person that said it. And the quote was, critics are the equivalent of, um, I think he said something like, critics are the equivalent of the generals that get up on the hill after the battle and shoot the survivors. Something like that. Yeah. Right? Find, find that quote. Um, anyway, uh, so just, yes, wrapping up, like burn it down. Again, enjoy, enjoy listening to it. Really, really good sound, a little bit different. Stuck in my head, Rise. Yeah, yo, that's how we got talking about movies. So Rise, Come Together, that's, that's been in my head. I've been saying that a lot. And I think, and I don't know her name, um, but the female vocalist that jumps in, I think adds value to that song, right? In that, in that course. Uh, the other thing that I took away is there's eight, there's eight players in in that in that band and it made me think about how great fish is to create the sound that they do with okay. only the four of them i mean really you know it sounded at times i only thought two people were playing in tap you know it was just yeah they're just it, it really kind of enforced my love of fish nice little deviation you know it's nice little uh side quest i guess you could say but uh yeah yeah you know and, and really makes me appreciate trace trace flexibility he clearly is addicted to performing. Gotta be, right? Like, like addicted. And I've been, and, and I've been wondering who, the, who, who this is since I heard the interview. I remember John Mellencamp was on Stern a few, a few years ago. And he's tight. He's tight with Dave and Neil Young. And he knows, like, they're, they're in a pretty big inner circle of these guys that are, you know, over that, over that hump. And he said that he's got a good friend. He asked him why he plays so much like why he plays in his band and in other bands. And it's because his self image of himself is so ugly and so bad. He needs, he needs that from the crowd. He needs, he John, needs John Mellencamp said that about one of his friends. He didn't say who it was. And since then I've been trying to think of who it was, if it's Dave, cause I think it, he's one of those guys that the band's not playing. He finds solo gigs. He's doing, doing something all the time. Trey, Trey is another one that never goes more than, 
traditionally more than a few months without getting out there and touring and playing. Um, I wonder, I wonder. And that's, you know, that's four or five years ago too. So that might, so, so that might change. That's weird. That's like psychologizing, man, you know? Yeah. He comes flat out and says that. Yeah. He yeah. said that he asked him, he said, you know, why do you play so many shows? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't need to. And like, and they said that, yeah, I just don't like myself enough that I need, I need that from the crowd. I need that from the fans. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to float it out there. And after uh, listening to Burn It Down, it kind of inspired my next top three, which are the top three side projects. And I think I have my top three. Have you given that any thought? What would you put in there? So I have a clear number one. A very clear number one. Oh, Oyster has number one. Yeah. Um, but like, does like the Dead End Company count as a side project? Like that kind of stuff? I'm going to have to float out some criteria, huh? Yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to try it out. Then what I'm probably going to do is make a list. So the criteria that I'll take is anything that's available in the app. And I'll make that list. Okay. Right? They're officially saying this. So Vita Blue, um, Mike Side Projects. Um, tab whatever like what do we got in here we've got again every time i go on here i'm amazed that this thing even exists um like honestly browse by year album tour song artist and it's great you, man we're so lucky but like we've talked about does it does it does it prohibit people from developing the same kind of love and attachment because it's easier they don't have to put in the effort right we used to play CDs over and over and over again and make the effort to go out and wait for that album to drop. You know what, man? It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> I think that with stuff like accessibility, it more, um, it more exposes people, you know, versus like makes them a certain way. Mm -hmm. like, so for example, um, take a dating app or even take social media, right? There's like all this like stuff out there about what people are becoming because of these things. Right. There's you know? a great new Netflix documentary, The Social D Dilemma. That's exactly so that. Yeah. I'm postulating that people were always this way, but mm -hmm. because of these things, you can be this way faster and worse. And that's why it's actually accelerating who people really are versus making them that way. Hmm. Like I heard some of like cutting apart, you know, a, uh, a, a, a like Tinder or whatever. Oh, I got ghosted. He just wanted to have sex with me. I'm like, yeah, pretty much sounds like when we were 16 years old. Like this is the same shit that's been happening. You know, now you can just do it faster because it's on an app. Like yeah. you used to have to, you used to ghost somebody in high school. Like you would like hide behind your buddies. So like you didn't have to talk to her. The same shit. Right. Hmm. Just right? Play a different. Right. Way. So I'm saying that for people who are, because, because some of the, the, the fish fans changed my mind a little bit. Like when I posted that question, I was like, yeah, but you know, this makes sense. I think people who want to dive deep into music will always find a way to do it. And the ones that don't, that are just like, ah, they're going to keep, you know, they're going to keep being teeny boppers and listening to, you know, Billie Eilish 67,000 times for right now. And then when she's had her moment, she's going to be done. And it's going to be like, the two the twenty twenty compilation album. Oh, I remember this song. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, hmm. So uh, in the app, or I guess the officially listed side projects, it's actually quite a bit. Almost half of them start with Trey's name, though. Um, you've, got, <laughs> <laughs> you've got Ghost of the Forest, which is essentially Trey. 
the Stranastasia band, no? Yeah, yeah it's Trey and, Trey and John Fishman. He plays uh, drums on that, on most of it, I think. Uh, Mike Gordon solo, Mike Gordon and Leo. Uh, Mike Gordon and the Benevento Russo something or other, which I yep. don't really know. Oysterhead, Mike Clear number one. We were fortunate enough to see them in 2001. Yeah. Nasty Hall, which was still one of my top shows that I still talk about with people. Uh, Page Solo, uh, Pork Tornado from 2002. What is that? I don't know. Okay. Um, I might have to commit to going through all of this stuff at some point. Trey Anastasio, Trey Anastasio and Don Hart, Trey Anastasio and the Scorchio Quintet, Trey Anastasio and the Undectet, Trey Anastasio Band, Trey Anastasio, Mike Gordon, and the Benevento Russo Duo, one, a, a one-off in 2006, which would have definitely fueled some rumors, I'm sure. Um, Vita Blue and Vita Blue and the Spam All-Stars. So right now, I know, I know my top two. The third one, I, I have to do some thinking on, but my top two are Oysterhead and uh, Ghost of the Forest. I think Ghost of the Forest is oh, Ghost of the Forest is excellent. And the more like, again, this goes back to like developing relationships with the songs, right? Because I listened to the album a bunch. Yeah. You know, and I was like, okay, these songs are kind of cool. But then you hear like, you know, Sea of Stars, a, you know, a million times live. And you're like, oh my God, this song is incredible. Yes. And I, you know, I went back through and listened to every 2019 show not too long ago. And obviously those songs play, play throughout. Uh, like in right now, I'm in 2009 and all the Joy songs are coming up a lot, right? Because they're that's a great album, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to, to think about the phases. I was even thinking about yesterday when I was leaving that, not leaving, but as I was listening to that set that I, that I talked about earlier, ACDC Bag, 1.0. Curtain with 1.0. Mound, 1.0. Got a Jabu, 1.0. Got a Yuri, 1.0. Punch in the eye, 1, 2, 1.0. So most of my favorite songs are one are 1.0, but I enjoy them being played in 3.0 Fish more. That's interesting. So when it's something that I didn't clarify, when we talked about earlier on how we, we, we love 3.0, I thought, maybe incorrectly, that we were talking about live 3.0. I don't think about the, obviously there's a songwriting and there's a different stages, but when we were talking about that, I, when we said that we love 3.0 Fish, I figured we were talking about how it is now, how the shows are constructed now, how the, how the sets are so much more eclectic and unpredictable. And um, maybe, maybe, you know how the past gets compressed. Yeah. Um, you know, there doesn't seem to be as many frequent uh, weird, weird things like the S show that I texted you about the other day or the big events festivals, but they're, they're just not as frequent now it seems, but overall 3.0, that's, that's what I thought we were talking about. So, okay. This is interesting. This is probably a topic for another day. Mm. But, um, I don't know, man. I think the, I think, I don't know what it is about it, but I think the more time that passes between the releases and the next release, the more you, you have time to develop a relationship and fall in love with the song. Yeah. I didn't love Ghost of the Forest when it first came out. Like, it was good. Mm -hmm. It was good. But it wasn't like, oh my God, this is the best album. I need to listen to this. Yeah. But now, a lot of those songs, when I hear them, I'm like, I really like this song. Yeah. Yeah, you just made me think about something too, about how right now I don't have the ability to um, state 
the date of my favorite Piper or the date of my favorite twist or whatever that might be. And I think the reason for it is because I've crammed a lot of listening into a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. I haven't, you know, experienced those versions of those songs over years and find trying to find copies of them online that were taped or whatever that might be. I haven't, I haven't gone through that. I've, I've listened to so many Pipers over the past year that it's tough for me to listen to one, listen to it multiple times and have it sit with me. You know what I mean? Because yeah, so, again, because of the app, I can, I can go in whenever. It doesn't listen. happen like that, my man. You, you're, you're, the order and in, in, you're confusing the order. What happens is you have a great experience with a song and you're like, this is the best version of this song that I've ever heard. And then it becomes the standard to which all the other ones get compared to. Right. Got like, it? Like Al Franken's favorite Althea. Like Al Franken's favorite Althea that's played at like 17 beats per minute. Is it? Yeah. So it's a song I don't know well, but that's, but that's a great, great clip from. What's uh, a, so here, let's do, let's, I have a, I have a great experiment. Of any of the songs, any fish song, what's your favorite, what's your favorite date? What's your favorite version? Um, you gotta have at least one where you're like, shit, that was the best. Tweezer, 12, 30, 19, last year. Wow. Okay. So now you got to go. I don't know, man. Tweezer's going to be a tough one. So now you got to go back <laughs> a different back song. Back to like Nutter Setter, right? 97. You got to listen to like all those versions and then you compare. Right. Right? Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. I don't know if my brain is wired that way in that I could, I could do it over time, I suppose, but not sure. over time, buddy, because the way that we've all done it is you hear that version and you're like, that was the greatest thing ever. And then next year you hear another version and you're like, shit, you know, that was awesome, but it wasn't as good as like, right. As that one. That's how it goes. Right. Like the stash from our show last year, for example. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. Cool. All right, sir. Um, good chat today. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah. A lot of uh, nice little side sidetrack stuff that we didn't plan, which is always good, which is the point. Right. Yes. The plan is there is no plan. Yes. And okay. Good, sir. I will uh, talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Ticket to Game Edge. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. It helps us a lot. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you for listening and stay safe.